Hello, and welcome to another episode of You Wear It Well. You Wear It Well. Nice. I'm Hugh Langley, US editor of Wearable, and I'm joined by Hussein Sumra, our US reporter. Good evening, or morning, or afternoon. Whenever you're listening to it. So this is actually the first time you and I have been in a room together in 2018. The last time was... Uh, I was holed up in a room in CES from the front line, if I might add. Like, I know not to you know take away from what the real war reporters do, but CES is the real front line. The trench of the technology world. For sure. So I guess Happy New Year. I, I don't know if we can technically still say that. It's January 25th right now. So it feels like the year is almost done with too. Sure. Long, I'm done. A long I'm sick of it. Days. Yeah. Sick of it. 2019. I'm ready for you. <laughs> So this week we are going to talk about Fitbit and the Rebel Alliance that's currently happening. We are going to talk about why we think Fossil's having a bit of a bounce back at the moment and why this could be its year. And we're also going to talk about virtual reality and award season because yes. it is award season coming up. I'm going to be picking your brain about that. So let's start with um, the Fitbit Pebble stuff because I think that's probably the biggest story of the week. Fitbit has announced the cutoff date for the Pebble servers. So what basically happened when Fitbit um, b- b- acquired some of the key assets from Pebble, it uh, agreed that it would keep the lights on at Pebble, so to speak. So Pebble users could continue to run the App Store and, and, and uh, cloud services. So it agreed this lifeline to the end of 2017. End of 2017 came and went, and then we got into January. Like, okay, so what's happening now? And a lot of Pebble people were like, "Well, what's is, what's happening?" And then this week, Fitbit announced that it would extend that lifeline, which was initially meant to be the end of 2017, till June the 30th of this year. So they've given Pebble users an extra six months, which. To be honest, they didn't need to. I yeah. mean, Fitbit's in this weird place at the moment where it wants. Obviously, it, it's bought these parts of Pebble, but it's not. It's not about a Pebble story. It's, it, it wants people to buy the Fitbit Ionic and, and yeah. any future smartwatches, which we're expecting to push out later this year. And really, it's it, this is just doing good grace to the Pebble community. Now, I know obviously some um, members of the Pebble team were acquired some of the developers by Fitbit and I think a lot of this good grace is coming from their end as well especially but what's happening at the same time is Fitbit's community is you know fiercely loyal to to the brand and and what it's doing is a lot of them have come together to sort of create a new platform that they'll be able to put into place when Fitbit switches the lights off and and the lead organization if you will it's called rebel and it's um led by about a dozen a team of about a dozen but there are plenty of other developers circling around as well and and what they're doing is is essentially trying to retain all of pebble's functionality so when fitbit does switch the lights off uh, pebble users will still be able to do things like have an app store yeah and these things that they will be lost when when fitbit when the day comes and fitbit puts them into darkness so this week we spoke to Rebel, who are obviously now up against the clock because they know they've got this six months, an extra six months, but it's six months now to to make sure that functionality is in place. And and for their part, they feel like they they they're mostly there. Their leader, who we spoke to, I call him the leader. He's, <laughs> he he goes by the pseudonym I Shot Jr., which I don't know how I really feel about that. But he anyway, that's that's his name, and he prefers to go by that. And he's very much leading the charge, not. Uh, you know, he, he a lot of the developers are doing the d- development work, but he's very much bringing it all together and, and, and doing the call to arms, if you like, for all of this. And it's, it's a really interesting project because I think you don't get that many 
communities in tech that, that are yeah. so loyal to this brand where even though the company is gone like Pebble was you know dissolved basically it, it's you've still got this huge community and, and if you go on the Reddit Pebble Reddit or just you know look around online you'll see so many people that are still using the Pebble but also just love the Pebble brand yeah. I mean did you use Pebble do you do you identify nev- with this in any way I have n- I am the wrong I'm not I was never a Pebble user I, I wasn't even interested in a pebble, but I, I'm sympathetic to what they've lost because, like that k- kind of like community and technology, as you said, it's it's rare. You don't get that much, uh, if, even for companies that are big and like successful. You don't really get a a big community that's loyal all the time. They're it's very few and far between. So, well, I think that's part of it. I think yeah. the reason is that Pebble. You know, Pebble was one of the biggest Kickstarter successes, but even so, it kept like cultivating, kept this, maintained this image of being the underdog. You know, yeah. it was it was the people's uh, company, and it, and to be fair, it was like it was very good at the way it nurtured its development community. Um, it was very, for the most part, anyway, communicative until the end with its developers. It held so many events. It it was very good about that stuff, and it really felt like uh, I think when people felt they were part of the. The, the Pebble brand, they were really part of it, you know, yeah. the, the, they were part of a community and I just... They were like, they were part of a company too. It wasn't yeah. just, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's hard and, and I do kind of feel sorry for Fitbit because <laughs> they've got this job of trying to replicate that and for their part, they are doing things like the app challenges which yeah. you wrote about this week um, and they're trying to foster this community and, and they're getting there, you know, there are developers who are building for the uh, Ionica who who are building for the Pebbles, but it's really the diehards that they want, and yeah. they're going to be the hard ones to earn over because they're the ones that still want. They want Rebel. They want. They want to keep using the Pebble after after it's done. And and what was interesting when I was speaking to um the Rebel people that, that they're saying well they want to even build hardware. They want to actually build new smartwatches down the road. Oh that, wow! To to actually yeah, that their hope is that it will call this will cause other people to build new hardware, but they want to do it themselves anyway. That's really interesting, and yeah. I feel like it'd be interesting to see if they could possibly sustain an entire Pebble ecosystem that doesn't have Pebble behind it. There are problems, there are rights issues to deal with with the App Store and things like that. But um, Fibbit, for its part, has been very good. Like, it even there was an exploit that um, the Rebel community had found where they could actually switch out the App Store for a different App Store. And rather than kind of just ignore it, uh, Fitbit actually exposed that exploit in an update as if to say, you know, yeah, go for it, do, <laughs> do it. And I think that's really good. I think that's nice that Fitbit is allowing this community to yeah it's to, not to crushing it and forcing it to come along with it it's, it's exactly giving them time and i think people are kind of maybe unduly harsh on fitbit because of what's happened they see it as the big yeah overlord stepping in like you say and crushing um the, the smaller underdog but at the same time you know it is trying to sweeten the deal to get people to move over to the onic this week it announced that if you have a pebble with a valid serial number you can actually get some money off an ionic and these sorts of little things, they're trying. They're really trying to, you know, in the messaging in the blog post is very much about we want people to get transition to the Ionic. Yeah, I was talking to a Pebble developer who has since uh, jumped over to f- the Fitbit Ionic as a development platform, and he was saying like him and his developer friends, their big thing right now is porting their apps, their Pebble apps over, and then from there they'll they'll start to expand and integrate and like uh, try to make apps built for Ionic but first the goal is to port their old apps over to Ionic mm. yeah and I think we'll, we'll hopefully see that happen more and more you know I, I want the Ionic to do well I want Fitbit to do well but 
it's going to take a while to yeah. build and, and to, to gain that support. And also, I don't think the Ionic is maybe the one to do it. I think we're going to see other smartwatches this year, no doubt, which will run on Fitbit's OS and yeah. therefore support the App Store. And then, and, you know, the Ionic is a very expensive smartwatch, but if Fitbit can put out a new Blaze or another kind of cheaper smartwatch that runs these apps, that might also cause some of the developers to, to jump over. So I think it's good. I think it's a really interesting story. The whole narrative, really. I think it's it's fascinating to see this community so loyal. Six months of the deadline, so they've well less than six months now. So they've they've got their work cut out for them. But it's definitely a story we're going to keep following very closely. Okay, so let's move on from there. Let's talk. Let's keep the smartwatch train rolling. I want to talk a bit about Fossil. Now Fossil were at CES again. We touched on the specifics of what they were announcing there. There were some new hybrids, there were some new smartwatches, the new um, Skagen, there was a new um, Kate Spade, some really nice stuff. But what I think is interesting is we're seeing a bit of a tide turn for Fossil at the moment. This is a company that has been very much on the down for a long time. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's been struggling in its traditional watch business. And I think, you know, it was very much betting big on wearables and yeah. it, it has and and through 2016 and 2017 it didn't it, it it kept pushing more and more out the portfolio kept getting bigger and bigger it's like we're gonna launch 100 this year we're gonna launch 200 this year this year they wouldn't even tell us when we asked because there's just so many <laughs> no doubt and that was encouraging but at the same time you're like well it's you know is this desperation like are you just throwing things out to see what sticks kind of a thing exactly like is this the last resort for you yeah but what i think is interesting now we seem to be I feel like it's consolidating a little bit and actually we might see this year that the story start to change. I think at CES it, it really went out and proved that it's got a lot. I mean, we actually lost track of how many things it was putting out at CES. Yeah. And we're normally pretty on top of Fossil, but I mean, they, there were so many that um, it was hard to kind of keep on top of how many they were, they were putting out. It wasn't just the smartwatches, but so many hybrids as well. And really good looking watches. I mean, I think they were all really nice. Fossil's perfected this perfect kind of junction of technology and, and fashion that's yeah. been which has been doing well for some time now but I feel like it's really hit that that perfect point at the moment where I mean if you look at the health of the company I mean where I was looking today like the stocks are up about prices up about 70% on November yeah. and um, there seems to be a lot of people within the company as well now who are buying and not selling their stock and and these are all little things that very much point to a more healthy direction and I'm I don't know about you but I'm pretty positive that this year is kind of fossil maybe fossils yeah what do you think yeah i'm i'm excited to see what fossil can do because fossil is other than apple i think fossil's the one that gets that wearables are 50 percent fashion and 50 percent function like uh, a lot of the other uh like the android wear uh, companies they don't really understand the fashion part as as well as fossil and even apple with the straps and the customizations do and fossil's the only one who can stand up to apple and in, in that way and that's that we've seen. That's why people have bought fossil watches, and why when like when I'm wearing a fossil watch for review, that that's people come up and go, oh, what is that? Is that, is that a regular watch or is that like a smart watch? Mm. And they're interested because it looks like fashion. It looks like something they're familiar with, mm. but new. Yeah, I th I think that's very true, and that's especially true with the hybrids, which they're doing. One strange thing that they did kind of. Um, 180 on which was uh, that they at Basel World last year Michael Kors announced that all of its future men's watches from the full collection and, and onwards would all be have some smart element to it yeah. and at CES it told it's uh, it's changed its mind on that which I find quite weird because I feel like 
I mean, maybe it's a cost thing. I feel like, you know, the component costs are obviously going to come down. It's going to be cheaper to do this to the point where it is, it's the same cost just to put in, um, you know, or very small additional cost to put in smart features into regular watches. So you might as well do it. I find it odd that they've decided not to do that. They didn't really explain why, but I don't doubt we're going to see more and more hybrids. Yeah. Okay, so finally, let's touch on virtual reality. We haven't talked VR this week yet, but you've been covering the Sundance Festival. Yes. And wrote some little something today about the uh, Oscars and why you think that the Oscars should have a virtual reality category. Let's talk about Sundance. What have you been seeing? Obviously, you've been here, but you've yeah. been following a lot of it. And I've been here and there at the same time. Yeah, and you've been speaking to some of the people and watching some of the clips. What 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 are you seeing? What's interesting this year? So what's interesting is you don't often get to see like a, a new art medium like turn the corner and like figure out what it's good at. But this Sundance, we, we're seeing virtual reality take its like next step and we're seeing filmmakers finally like realize the potential of what virtual reality is capable of to tell stories. Um, so we're seeing a lot of different, like very different like different filmmakers are trying different things that not everyone's doing the same thing because you have like a more traditional VR film from uh, Maria Bello, an actress who made a movie about um, these uh, these warrior ladies in Iraq who are fighting against ISIS, and that's more of a traditional like 360 video thing. But it it's using what VR is good at to tell 360 video in like the most perfect way possible, like the the pushing the limits of what mm. 360 video can do. And then we're also seeing uh, stuff like um, Spheres, which actually got. Uh, purchased by a distributor for seven figures, which is the biggest deal ever for a virtual reality film. And that is, is using the power of VR to transport you to, uh, to basically simulate what it would, wh or what we think it would be like to go through a black hole. Kind of like Interstellar, but virtual reality and much more intense. And then we're Without being like shredded. To yeah, without, like without shrunk to yeah. atom or whatever would happen to you. And then the, the other thing we're seeing is we're seeing a Fable Studio which is made up of the former Oculus Story Studio people and what they're doing is they're trying to take the interactivity of VR and pushing it uh, to a new level with Wolves in the Walls which is an adaptation of Neil Gaiman's uh, children's book um, and that is basically trying to make a virtual AI character which they call Project Lucy because they've been working on it for a while and using that interactivity to make Lucy feel like an actual friend and not like, like when you're in a video game and you're working with AI characters, they're just on the screen and they're just, it's kind of a passive experience. Mm. But with virtual reality, you're in that space with the AI character and it gives you like another level mm. of immersion. And all three of these mo uh, movies are just showing what kind of, what VR filmmaking is doing next and how they're exploring the possibilities of what virtual reality can bring to stories mm -hmm. basically off that you wrote a really interesting opinion piece on why you think it's time for the oscars to have a virtual reality category i mean are we at that point then do you think where these are good enough or do you think it's more of a case that the oscars should put this in to almost encourage filmmakers to do more it's a little of both because uh, this sundance these are all like everyone who's tried these uh, experiences and you can see in the trailer like they look amazing uh, like if you put this, if you put a trailer for like Spheres in a movie theater, people would be like, "What the heck? What the hell? What the heck is that? When can I watch that?" Mm. Kind of thing. Uh, and the other side is that what the the dynamics of the film industry are that 
people release movies at film festivals they get bought and then if and they get bought so they can go on prestige runs uh, to win awards and to, to help the studio get uh, better marketing and to make some quick cash on cheap movies and that encourages filmmakers to, to keep feeding into the independent film studio model rather than like go try to make a big movie or get stuck into the machine the Hollywood machine and that needs to happen for VR filmmaking too because right now it's like a wild west where we have a lot of VR filmmaking uh, just they're just kind of exploring and, and doing interesting things but they're also all going to music videos which aren't gonna they're not their music videos are great and they're an art form unto themselves but they're not like VR films so for VR films to take a next step it needs like a body the Oscars specifically because they're the, the big name in, in movies and they have the cultural cachet to push people to go like, hey, you should watch Moonlight. This is what we think is the best mm. movie of the year. So VR filmmaking needs that to encourage, to not only show people what VR movies are about, but to encourage filmmakers to get involved in VR films mm -hmm. and push the the genre forward. And Oscar, the Oscars forward. have been very, the Academy's been very adaptive in the past. Yeah. Obviously, like, was it 2008, I think, when um, The Dark Knight came out and there was a big backlash yeah. that it didn't get nominated because there were only five, so they updated... The films to like 10 slots yeah. and then you mentioned in your piece earlier about how the animation category wasn't there for a while yeah, so after it, toy story they they started adapting and made the animation category before that you need like a special oscar so maybe that's what virtual reality needs like a big film like a yeah. toy story or a dark knight to shake the academy and say look this is like a validated thing now maybe yeah. It could be maybe it's spheres because that that it sounds like that's gonna get a huge push on all VR platforms after Oculus because it's it's gonna be Oculus exclusive at first and also uh, Alejandro uh, G Inarritu who won the Oscar for Birdman and and uh, The Revenant he had a he's getting a special Oscar for his virtual reality movie um, although they're not gonna present it at the show. But they're gonna give it to him like in a special little corner where he gets to celebrate himself. <laughs> There's a little VR corner with just him and an award. Well, it's a start, I guess. Yeah. You know, uh, if you want to read more about that, you can uh, Hussein's thoughts on virtual reality and the Oscars and and all the coverage from Sundance. You can do so on uh, the website. Same with everything else we've talked about today. And don't forget to follow us on iTunes podcast, like us on Facebook, subscribe on everything else instagram twitter we're everywhere can't get rid of us and we'll see you again soon keep wearing it well keep wearing it well the super bowl nice super bowl Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs>